one person amongst them is basically not altered at all. And he turns to their leader, the major, and asks, what the, what the hell am I doing here? What am I doing here? Mm-hmm. I am I am not a like normal you. person amongst a bunch of super soldiers, a bunch of freaks. She turns to the major and says, over-specialize and you breed in weakness. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm not going to do my typical intro today because this episode is quite different. I'm joined with my friend Joe Joukowsky, and this conversation took place after about four hours of conversation unpacking everything that has happened in the wake of George Floyd's murder. This was the first time we had had a chance to speak to each other in person outside of text messages and a few other online interactions, but this was the real first time that we got to look at and take stock of the events of the protests, riots, and the surrounding reactions in the world. I'm not here to try and pose any solutions, but realistically, it's this conversation was sense-making for myself and Joe. We do our best to try and lay out the land of the current situation, which in turn, looking at the extremes of the situation and asking, what if? How bad could this get? And now, roughly a week later, do I think it's getting worse? No, I actually don't think it's getting worse. So I'm hopeful in that sense, but I do think that the broader philosophical discussions about the direction this country is taking, broadly speaking, between order and chaos, this was our honest attempt to lay out the reactions on both sides as I said at the end of this conversation is everything we say and everything I've said is all about providing a viewpoint that is the most nuanced and to see this country go in a better direction than where it has obviously there are things that need to change and those will change. The question is, how do we go about changing those things? How we figure this thing out? And there will be one other conversation where myself, Joe, and Jordan will have our first conversation together. And that one, I think, is even better than this one. So stay tuned for that one. It will be the next episode to be released. But until then, please enjoy this conversation with Joe Jakowski. Very broad means of specializing, making more confined a reality that's even broader than itself. Right. So it's, it's that there's something wrong in the environment. Our emotions are really good at indicating the general direction of... Yeah, it's like a compass, right. almost. It, but it's like a compass with a needle that's too wide. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes, I don't know, west? Yeah. <laughs> that's what your emotions are. You go, if, if I'm asking, how do I get to Ann Arbor, where University of Michigan, where I'm from, coming from, yeah. uh, from here near Chicago, and you tell me east? Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. Right, but that's that's not specific. It's At the moment, ballpark I start, true. <laughs> right, it's ballpark true. So I start moving on ninety four, a little bit east, and I just keep going. I'm like, when do I? Or maybe I just hop on two ninety, start heading south. I'm like, I know I'm gonna have to go east at some point. What do I do now? Yeah, right. And that that your rational mind takes over in creating specificity in achieving that specific singular goal to hitting that that mark to to confining the trajectory right? yeah so where we're at now i think in part as a culture is that we're in the emotive state that we are that we aren't we are using words to emote not to think that what we're doing is here's a general problem and there's gonna be a whole bunch of things that are rationally wrong yeah but 
they are in some sense intuitively right. They're east. Yeah. They're directionally not, right. <laughs> not here, let me give you a GPS trajectory yeah. on how to get there. Right now, that's really good in the early stages of something. My concern is now is when we flip into these stages where we need to be more specific. If we're at the where two two ninety merges onto ninety four, yeah, or eighty, right? And I need to start heading east, but you just tell me go east, go east, go east. You just keep going east. You'll hit it eventually. <laughs> That doesn't help me. Yeah. I need to know what, what, where am I getting off at? What's my exit? Right? So mm-hmm. now, I think as a culture. We're on the highway. We're on the highway. <laughs> we know the general direction we need to go. I need to figure out what exit we have. Yeah. Now it's not an emotional issue. Now it's a logical, rational issue. Now we need to start thinking yeah. hard. And we can't just say things. That are in line with our emotions, but not aligned with our minds. Yeah. We need to be in a place where we are being very, very <clears throat> serious about how we think about this. Yeah. And I'll give you two um, pieces of context. <laughs> two pieces of context of emoting without thinking. One's from the right and one's from the left. The one on the right is that in New York City, I think this is from the right. There was a... It directionally feels right. Dis- <laughs> right, right. Dismissal of habeas corpus yeah. in New York City. What is habeas corpus? It's a 900-year-old legal precedent, right? So why does it matter to the age? Well, one, it's pretty American. But <laughs> if it's lasted, that suggests that under a whole bunch of chronological contexts, under a whole bunch of periods of time, it remained applicable. Yeah. It remained important, and it was functional across all these times. So the longer something is functional, the more it suggests that it works. So something that works, at the very least, for 900 years, seriously works. Yeah. And that has been suspended. And habeas corpus is the idea that you can't be held, you can't be arrested and held without a charge. Mm-hmm. They can't just take you indefinitely. Nobody can just go, you're under arrest. That one, you're yeah. under arrest. <laughs> and you're here until we say you're not. Yeah. Right? That's crazy. And the fact that that is gone legitimately means the police in New York City right now can go to a protester and go, you haven't broken any laws. But you're under arrest. You're here exercising all of your rights. Pick one. Doesn't matter. Pick a right. In the officer's mind, if they disagree with you, then they, they you. yep, they can arrest you, and you can say, "Why am I being arrested? Why am I being arrested?" They don't have to give you an answer. They can throw you in jail, and they can just leave you there for ten years. It's a, it's the adult version of because I say so, or government version, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they can just say, "Oh yeah, we're charging you with whatever, yeah, or this or that, or we're figuring it out. We're figuring it out." A year goes by. Tell me, what you know? When do I get my whatever? Yeah. Oh, we'll figure I need it my out. rights, we'll right? Figure it out. We'll <laughs> figure it out. I saw this in the Marine Corps. I had a mm. staff sergeant who, as I was trying to get him to sign some paperwork, he was very much not happy about. You and wanted to get out, <laughs> right? Well, it was it was an opportunity to get out early, and the reason that, that getting out early existed was because the Obama administration was downsizing the military in general, and so they needed people to voluntarily get out, and so I was like. Well, I don't know, I'll give it a shot. I wasn't even that bought into it. From In my mind, it was just like, well, I can put it in the package, and then I can decide on it if, whether or not mm-hmm. I can prove Because if I don't, then it doesn't matter. If I do, then Yeah, you just roll the dice. You're like, whatever. Right. Whatever, fine. Nothing to lose or win, really. <laughs> right. And so he needed to sign on this piece. And he just month after month put it off. And I had no means of really going out. I mean, I had some. I should have done some things. But but that's the idea is that I can just go, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, right. here's some bullshit excuse. Here's I lost the papers. <laughs> right. Oh, my pen isn't on my desk. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter. Any stupid thing to, to push that off. And that's what they can do now in New York City with your freedom. Yeah. With your ability to act as a, as a human being with rights. And in fact, the, the First fact, Amendment right. Right. <laughs> all of them. Oh, yeah, because true. the moment that they get rid of habeas corpus, you could be like, you'd be like, oh, 
forget assembly or yeah. association. It's subjective now. Now the cop themselves that arrests you can go, I don't like that you're hanging out with that person. Arrest. And then when you say, why are you arresting me? I don't have to give you a reason. Slippery slope. It's in, it, it, it's more than a slippery slope. We're already at the bottom. That's insane. There's no protections I mean, when that's gone. It's just crazy that of all places that it happened is New York City. Oh, yeah. Like how could... I can't... I, right? Like it's how, a little shocking. I would have thought that would have come from right-wing mayors. Right. But generally, it's kind of left-wing and. I'm just curious. Who, like, it was a judge and that... I saw the same article you posted uh, from OAF Actual. On their, been so good. On their oh, app, it's on their Instagram page. They have like 10 or so slides of images kind of outlining what was done here. But when I post this as an actual podcast, uh, I'll share this the links to these things that we share here for those who want to understand what's going on. You know, we're, we're I just want to make it clear to people too is that this isn't about taking sides either. This is just kind of looking at... The insanity. Is- like just that what's happening across the board uh, i mean it, it goes without saying that we're all for equality and freedom of people and right. you know like it i feel like that's what this country's been founded on oh yeah you know like you have like yeah. that's like a baseline assumption in this scenario and then to have outright abandonment yeah of abandoning our fundamental that, ideals is insane it, it it's worrisome at the smallest end of that scale, right? <laughs> Imagine if that spreads, but... Yeah. All right, so that's what I see as right-wing. Yeah, there's right. right And the reason that I see it as right-wing... Because it's the authoritarian aspect of this. It's the orderly aspect. Right, yeah, better better so, way of saying it. Why orderly, whatever. Okay, so I'll go to the bottom a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not total bottom. <laughs> but deep enough. So, if you look at personality psychology, there's five dimensions, right? So... Ocean is the acronym. Openness, mm-hmm. uh, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Now, it differentiates differentiates into ten facets of those five domains. One, so underneath conscientiousness, is orderliness and industriousness. Yeah. We'll put industriousness off to the side. Orderliness is exactly what it sounds like. You're ordered. Right. You're cleanly. You're on time. Things are belong in the right place. Whatever. When you're in school, how organized is your backpack? Do you have sure. folders? Things like that. Right. Everything is just kind of <laughs> has a place, is in its place. Do you make your bed? Right. Do you make your bed? <laughs> Using my crystal. <laughs> yeah. And that can be it's associated with industriousness because industriousness is something like guilt for a lack of work. Mm. If I feel guilty about not working, but you can yeah. see that connection there, right? Where it's like, I make my bed not just because I'm orderly, but because if I am not orderly, I feel guilty. Yeah. Right. So now those things are connected. And that's, oh, that's why they both fall connection. under uh, conscientiousness. Yeah. Then there's openness. And openness differentiates into two things openness to experience and intellect. Openness to experience is exactly what it sounds like. Shocker. It's like they name them well. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and because naming something well means that the name itself indicates what it is you're getting at instead of just some convoluted BS. Yep. And it's people who want to go out and do new things, try new things. And really, at a fundamental level, it's get new information. Ah. Oh. It's, oh. That's new. That's new. That's new. So it's like an almost like an intellectual curiosity. So that's why I differentiate. Oh yeah, because of the intellect. Because is the there's other. there's yeah. the physical, there's the experience itself, and there's the intellectual. So oh, intellect. Two, I didn't even think. Yeah, intellect <laughs> is a diff. They're both territory. This <laughs> this is so cool. I think human beings are really territory mapping creatures. They operate on a orienting and mapping something like substrate. Or not substrate. It's more like structure or foundation. The they're both exploratory. Yep. One is exploratory in the world, like a physical exploration. Right. Yep. Go out and check out the world, and the other is intellectual territory that's being mapped. Right. Let me go find new ideas. Mm-hmm. Let me go to find this. So intellect doesn't mean intelligence. It just means that you're interested in new things. Yeah. Ideas that you're new ideas. In. Right. Yep. Right. So why am I bringing these two things up? Because 
openness to experience that is so if you have high openness to experience and low orderliness so you're very interested in new experiences but you're not interested in ordering those new experiences mm. you're more likely to be liberal oh whoa right so it's as if the liberals perspective is which by the way these are heritable which means you can genetically there's like a point for so you, you get some of you this. inherit this yeah. from your your parents there's a genetic aspect to it interesting so that means it was evolved if it's genetic it was evolved right so there was an evolved aspect of your personality that was designed to go out and get new information and yeah. that's a liberal go out and get new information mm -hmm. get the borders out of the way so that i can go find new things get the borders out of the way so that I can find new things. Oh, why is they, it not surprising? They don't want to see the box. They like, right they the see, box. They tear the, the box down. They see the box and they're annoyed by the box because they don't. Because the box is just an impediment to finding new information. <laughs> right. So so get rid of national borders, so that new information can in can flow in and we can grow as a result of these things. That's the liberal perspective. It's inherited biologically. It's an evolutionary context but yeah. what does that not allow for what does organizing of the, in you don't have a way to solidify what is useful or not right what are the risks what are the risks to untrammeled information in flux Just, it could be that <laughs> bad shit right in fact this is happening right now in our culture covid disease is something that if we don't have restrictions on travel, restrictions on our boards, right. whatever, yeah. then le legitimate disease can come into here to completely unregulated. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a, probably the best example we could ever give about like a reason to have closed borders. Oh, you want to hear a crazy one from history? You know what killed the Native Americans? The blankets from. Uh... It wasn't. It wasn't the Spaniards per se. It was that when the Disease. Spaniards showed up, the Spaniards had diseases that, because they lived in l literally shit-covered cities in Europe where they like shit in a bucket and then dumped it in the street. Right. Like this is really unsanitary. So the, those that – funny how we forget those that. Those that survived were those – well, those that didn't have good immune systems died, right? And yeah. those that survived had a really good immune system. They were all inoculated against all these diseases. But now all these dudes who were inoculated against diseases – brought those same diseases that they were inoculated against Hidden carriers. to a world in which there had not been yeah. these natural natural antibodies antibodies or or vaccinations that had yeah. occurred and so 98% of native americans across both north and south america died as a result not of it was mostly small, smallpox right right a small and a handful of other diseases yeah. right of disease yeah so if you have entirely unobstructed influx of information, you die. So we need new information coming in, but we also need to obstruct new information coming in. Yeah. And these are actually antithetical positions that are both true. Right. So you have liberals voting <laughs> on one side. What are conservatives? Why are they high in orderliness? Because they care about borders and order and yeah. setting up things. It's how do we structure our society? How do we prevent the disease? How do we do these things? It's how do they find a place? And the intersection, the way I'm seeing it right now, is like the intersection between these things is, is like the, the filter mechanism between just enough new information that then can be re-solidified into something either useful or you just throw away and then keep moving, right? Yep. So you need to satisfy both needs and find the middle ground, right? I'm using this language really yeah. <laughs> on purpose right now. <laughs> right. And it's like we've forgotten the purpose of that language. We just yeah. say, oh, we, we need a middle ground. Well, why? Well, right. now we're explaining. We're why. trying to explain why what's yeah. necessary here. And I wasn't expecting to <laughs> actually yeah. explain this at all. But oh, it's, it's so interesting to think about that because it's not even – we're not even talking like just – large scale politically this is how every human works like we have to take in new information but then you need to go and really deeply think 
critically think and critically feel, right, to use what Weinstein, Eric Weinstein had said earlier in the week, mm. whether or not those things actually make sense, right? It's, it's like the Bruce Lee quote, take what is useful and discard the rest. What, what works the best and it's going to be different for everyone, too, on yeah. top of that. Yeah, right, because we're <laughs> at least slightly enough different environments that we have to adapt to different ways. Like, you have to find what is, like, your secret sauce to that works in your environment, no matter where you live. And that this should feel intuitively correct to most people, I think. Like, when yeah. you just sit and think yeah. about it, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess, duh, right? Like, for someone to prescribe something to you, the only way they can prescribe a certain set of behaviors to you is that they live in a similar culture to you. So the conservative side is that it's high in orderliness mm -hmm. and low in openness. Right. And that's what predicts conservative behavior, and that's still heritable, right? So we've evolved that, so there's a biological pre-premise pre, pre yeah. From which prerequisite. Right. Yeah. Prerequisite. Thank you. It, from which we pulled, pulled this in this, this way of being and that we have the order, which is a control for potential dangers. Mm -hmm. And we have the openness, which is the allowing in of new information, regardless of the dangers. And you can even view new information as almost like an inoculation, right? Cause what's the extreme end of overly yeah. rigid, right? Yeah. Because right. if you're overly rigid, then you become insular, and then yeah. your ideas become self-perpetuating. It's, it's the idea. What's the word I'm looking for? Echo chamber. Yeah. Right. You become an echo chamber of yourself because if you have yes men around you saying, "Yeah, that sounds like a great idea," you can never move beyond that point. Dude. Okay. So yes. Okay. So <laughs> one of the, the most influential movies in my entire fucking way of thinking, I can I can almost not overstate it. I could overstate it, but I can almost not. <laughs> Um, was a movie called Ghost in the Shell, which is, I think, 1995, which mm -hmm. is a Japan. It was an anime, so it was an animated uh, Japanese film. Now, the general association with those types of animation, whatever, is this kind yeah. of this nerdy, goofy thing. But I would argue against that. It's, it's not some goofy, bizarre, off-kilter, uh, strange, uh, kind of weird, goofy entertainment. It is one of the most impactful actually in science fiction films that's ever been made mm -hmm. in fact the wachowski brothers at the time cited ghost in the shell as one of the inspirations for the matrix wow and in fact you can see the imagery of ghost in the shell reverberate <laughs> into the matrix but also westworld like even mm -hmm. more modern a decade after of and after, i think alter carbon has some oh. influence too Absolutely. <laughs> the, the idea of a body in which you can import a consciousness, yep. which is prevalent all throughout Altered Carbon, is all of these factors, both the imagery and the Matrix and Westworld and the questions that are in both of those, They're along with this specific question that exists in Altered Carbon, all came from, were born from Ghost in the Shell. It is one of the most impactful pieces of science fiction, I think, in the last – Jesus. I mean 20. since 2001 Space Odyssey. I mean it, it came after that, but like, like Jesus. It's, it's surprising to me that most more people don't know it. Maybe it's because it's anime. I think that's why. But its impact is so huge that people yeah. know it and they don't know that they know it. And it's because they've seen its children, right? Yeah, they, they know it by – by a degree of separation. But anyway, so so this film was a huge influence on the way that I think. And it noted that there's a quote in there that I love. There's a character in there. This is, there's, a, there's a squad. There's a group of people who are really well-trained, specialized people. And in fact, they live in this future world, the science fiction world, in which their entire bodies have been altered. Everything about their bodies has been altered. Yeah. In order to be more functional, more capable. Everyone's augmented human, job, basically. Right? They've all been augmented to do this job of hunting down criminals, international espionage, yeah, like whatever. Peacekeepers, right? Like super spies. Yeah, peacekeepers. And, <laughs> and one person amongst them is basically not altered at all. And he turns to their leader, the major, and said, and asks, what the, what the hell am I doing here? What am I doing here? Mm. I am... I am not a like normal you. person amongst a bunch of super soldiers, a bunch of freaks. Yep. And she turns to him, Matoka Kusanagi is the character's name. She turns to him, his his boss, the major, and says, 
over-specialize and you breed in weakness. <laughs> Why? Brilliant. Over-specialize and you breed in weakness. Why is that brilliant? Because that's the consequence of too much order. That's the right-winning extreme. Is that It's all order. Mm-hmm. And because it's all order, everybody's the same. And you're not comfortable Everything with dissenting opinion. Compounded into one avenue of thought, one avenue of being. So if you know and the weakness, you can crack of the one whole of thing. Them. If you know how to fuck with one person, you can destroy the you've whole got, system. <laughs> you've got the code, and now you can know how to break the whole code. Yep. Right? To use computer science terms. Dude, that is... That really put it all together for me because I I talk tons about like that's just how I think though like I don't think specializing is inherently bad right because right? you not. need yeah. you need it right to use more language but I'll get there in a second but I talk about generalization right I think we need to be start thinking about society as a collection of generalized specialists where and the way you can think about this is T shaped people so you have a broad set of knowledge. Across many topics, but then you eventually pick one topic that you want to go really deep on. Because when you have a broader base knowledge, then you can use that to inform the hypotheses you have in your specialized field. Right. Right? Like knowing more about other areas, say like if you're a writer, when you know more about how the world works and say you're writing a sci-fi novel like you're talking about... It might be a really good idea to go interview engineers at the cutting edge of science within those fields that you're talking about in sci-fi, whatever the premise of your book is, and get what they're actually working on. Because then you can inform your opinion. It's a cone. Yeah, exactly. It's a funnel. It's a funnel, yeah. Yeah. It's a really good that's a really good way of doing it. That's the way that I tried to write my thesis. Yeah. (laughs) It started really broad. And I moved all the broadness all the way down till we got to my study itself. Mm -hmm. So it was like it was like theory, theory. It was like actually it was philosophy and then yeah, slowly you're, moved you're, into well, psychological well, your, your theory. Your theory is interesting because well, it's you're, you're bio-psycho. You, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, psycho, dude. <laughs> bio-psych, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Bio-psych, <laughs> cognition, and neuroscience. So it was, it's, it's broad enough. So it was, it, was, it was philosophical theory for me mm-hmm. and then we moved into psychology. Right. And then we moved into meaning within psychology and then we got to the point where it was like, Oh, here's this thing about language. Yeah. And here's this really specific thing about veterans. And here's how they interplay. Mm-hmm. And bang, there's the there's the study. And it was like, ah, oh, that makes perfect sense. And I talked to Jordan about this. And I Jordan feel, said when he yeah, read it that he was like, I, I feel like oh, yeah, I could totally follow your logic on this. I feel like I've noticed that in more writing lately, at least not not in journalistic writings per se, but scientific writing, where it's like they're trying to paint the brush around the topic they're talking about, right? And and they can't you can't assume that people have the the requisite knowledge base yeah, in the these topics. Yeah. So you start where you equalize the footing for everybody so that you, once you get to your conclusion, everyone has the same baseline to be able to understand what you're positing. Yeah. Whether or not the hypothesis was proven true is irrelevant. But the point is that you bring people on the journey so that they understood what you had to go and do your research on. Yeah, they need to know the way that you think so they can follow while you're at yes. the place you're at. So why does this apply to habeas corpus? Yeah, right. We, <laughs> woo. Okay, so. Welcome to podcast, everybody. Yeah. Which is why these things are lovely. I love it. Right? So habeas corpus is the dissolution of a 900-year-old law mm-hmm. in order to impose order on chaos. So I think that the order dimension is reaction. biologically predisposed in conservatives. Yeah. I think that's why we I mean, to fight the, despite the fact that they're like an immune that, response <laughs> in a societal level. Yes. Yes. Really? Yes. <laughs> if but, we're going to keep pulling on the disease metaphor. Dude. I mean, okay. <sighs> okay, another tangent. <laughs> so Hitler <laughs> When um, ah. he was taking power, what he did, one of the first things that he did was he was like, this is ridiculous. Everything's co- totally chaotic. We're going to clean up the factories, mm-hmm. which is very orderly, right? It's like, just clean everything. In fact, they beautified them. They put flowers in front of them and all this. But they, they cleaned it up, and they used, uh, I think it was Zyklon A. So it was, it was mm-hmm. a gas that they used to kill the, the rats that were in these factories. And they're like, okay, 
I'll clean everything up there. So you see the orderly behavior. And then he went, well, maybe we should clean something else up. We'll clean up the, the psych wards. Oh. And so they went to they went to all the mental hospitals. And they took all the people who were... Weren't they less than human at that point? They were a disease. He took That's all the diseased people. And he went one by one. And he gassed them, right? I don't know if he actually gassed them, but he killed them. Right. And then he went piece by piece, step by step. And then when you're in the concentration camps... He reorganized camps, the whole... <laughs> And then, right, you reorganized the whole society in the concentration camps. You know what he used? Cyclone B. Yeah. Same gas. The only difference? Didn't have a smell. Yep. So people would stop freaking out when they were getting gassed. So in, in the Hitlerian mind, it's a pure order extreme. Yeah. It's taking orderliness to, like, the absolute extreme. Like, because what does, what does someone with order want? They want to clean, right, disinfect... They're, everything yeah they want they if it was up to them they'd be wearing three pairs of gloves and he bathed <laughs> like three times a day was he a clean freak yeah a total clean freak oh my god absolute maniac the po- yeah, pathology might have been more i think it might have been like five times a day he would take a shower huh that's wild I'd... right because it's all part of this yeah okay now, so this leads to an argument about evil but i i can leave i'll i'll put that aside yeah and we can Push What's on. So left so side. I'm not right? saying that the dissolution of habeas corpus is inherently the same thing as Hitler. No, there's no equation. But I'm that. saying that there's a developmental pathway. And you can go thirty percent, you can go fifty, sixty percent, seventy percent maybe. Right. And it's totally within reasonable objection or like mm-hmm. ways of acting, right? It that's that's fine. You can totally it to say that there's so that that's what the extremes on this right side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You have Hitler Desanitizing the world, right? Well, and then that, you that's ha- if he would have got his way, right? <laughs> Maybe even himself, right? Which is what he got. But also, you have the middle line, which is just like we could just get a disease. Maybe we should cut, shut down some the high contact places, right? Maybe we should shut, shut down high contact places. Maybe we should be wearing masks. Maybe. We should not allow travel from the countries where there are epicenters, mm-hmm. Italy, China. Or wherever new outbreaks are coming from right. or something like that. Right, which are perfectly reasonable. Right. And even there's probably even lesser degrees of that if you zoom in. Yeah. Right? And, and that's, that's order. I got to find the article. I, read, I was reading an article. I think it came out yesterday, but it was how Iceland responded to this thing. Hmm. And they have almost no cases hmm. as of like whenever that piece was re- released. So... I'll find that link. They too. are an island. True. There's some talk about this: the the islands, the effective islands. Mm. Being oh, because they're off. insular because they don't have as many egress points. Yeah, makes sense. Movement of animals, movement of right. people. And, and South Korea is pretty good in part because they have effectively an island, an imposed island, because the only thing that they're they're a peninsula. Right. Korea's a peninsula. And, and they have North a, Korea is a wall. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's getting past the DMZ. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> so that may wow. See, I've, I've been trying to like wrap my head around it, right? Because like. Yes, you can say these countries that do it right, in quotes, and that's subjective. The, in part. Yeah, in part. It's, it's made less subjective by the gold itself. Right. And, and my point is that, like, we can use them as a blueprint to how to behave thematically, if that makes sense. It's like, how to behave thematically. Yeah, it's it, it's a weird way of putting it. Yeah, no, <laughs> but elaborate. Yeah, so it's, I, yeah. it's like it's like basically you look at what their behaviors did and say, okay, which ones of these are the ones that are actually influencing the outcome? And how do we model our society? Obviously, we can't yeah. model it because the United States is much, much right, right. So, bigger. So, so we look at all these different <laughs> island states and we go, oh, man, they're doing it perfectly. Is it their legal structure that's doing it? Yes. Like we put in the proper controls it might be the thing that's doing it it's just the fact that they're all islands right right well, the so, scale of that they're right. con- it's a operating. multivariate problem yes and this is a problem in science all the time is and we'll get we'll actually get to one of these things later is that maybe we will yeah uh, is that is that if you don't account for all the variables then you'll pull conclusions that don't map onto the reality of the right. situation you'll just be like oh the reason they're doing this is because of contact tracing <laughs> but if it's just the fact that they're islands, then you might implement contact tracing in your nation thinking it's going to work perfectly. And then it turns out it doesn't. And the reason it doesn't is because you're not an island. Because yes. you totally misunderstood the context of the situation. 
Yeah. Right. So, okay. So we've established we'll the right-wing yeah. <laughs> perspective and the, the danger on the uh, the right side of this tightrope that we're walking in this yes. moment. Now, the left-wing perspective – I don't know if you want to go public with all this shit. You don't care? It's too late. Too late? So the left-wing perspective on uh, this – the left side of this tightrope that we're walking is, is a little bit more complicated. So, okay, so the other half is from the left, and they're 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 arguing amongst themselves at some point because there's a certain amount there that are not actually aligned with with the reasonable yeah. portion of this, right? So that that's the it's like the optimal of, stopping question. It's like where is the like? Right, so we know there's, there's an arbitrary line, the right. line, but there's we don't know what line to draw on the left right now. At least that's how I see it. We know where the we. We know there is a line on the right. Yes. Somewhere between we should have some kind of borders. Yes. And Hitlerian way of thinking. Right. So somewhere in that spectrum, there's a fucking line. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the line on the left? It's emerging as something that will need to be articulated in the coming weeks. Really in the coming weeks, because I, I don't think we reached the point in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Until very recently, where it was necessary to do so. So we know that – so what's what's the moderate version of left thinking? We need new information. That's kind of the standard I view position. like a casual hiker, someone who likes to get out in nature every – like on the weekends, mm. but then you still have a stable job. <laughs> you need to go out and you want to check out new things. Right. <laughs> and really it's – you can just be intellectual – an intellect. That's yeah. another portion of that big five trait, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of the facets. And you could just want to go and explore the intellectual territory. Yeah. We need new ideas because the ones that we have right now haven't brought a, to us a utopia. Right. So that means we're lacking something. So we need new ideas. It's the belief that you can even get a little bit better. Right. Even a modicum. And it's not to say that the system is broken, like completely broken. It's to say... Okay, this is working, but what what if there's something, you know, that might be just a little bit better? It's being open to the possibility that there is improvement to be had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's right. So so right, and that's obviously being manifested in the protesters right now. Yes. That are going on the, after George Floyd's right. death. And majoritarily peaceful, too. Oh, absolutely. And that and that's the thing that a lot of people have been seeing talk about who've lived through the other riots in the past that this is different. Like it feels different than riots prior because they don't feel the need to be violent. Like, yes, there was some looting in the beginning and things like that. But since then it's definitely calmed way down, which Hmm. I think is interesting. So I would say that the majority of people are very reasonable. Not only maybe it's a one-to-one map. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> but part two would, of this train of thought would be that the people are reasonable mm-hmm. and that they're legitimately pissed off for good reason. And they're protesting and that's all part of the reasonable side of the left. Yeah. And actually you get people on the right too joining into the protest. Yeah. In fact, I've seen people who are probably the most right-wing people I know on my in my group of Facebook friends who are joining in in, in wow. anger about the mistreatment of George Floyd. Because that would make sense to me because it shows the mistreatment. Op- what a fucking horrible word. Right. Murder. Murder. <laughs> it shows the the overstep of the system because the conservative I believe the conservative viewpoint is acutely aware of what the yeah, the yeah. overstepping I, I can of make authority a really can good, be. I'll, I'll take this and this aside. I think that that there's a really strong right wing case. Yes. Against what has happened. Yes. So, I would say that that's two part. So the criticism coming from that axiom is, or at least that premise or whatever, mm-hmm. is is that people on the right who are against these protests should really check themselves because. Because so much of what right-wing thinking is, is 
reactionary against overbearing mm-hmm. government power. Yes. That the government itself is not a solution. This is a real conservative argument, like a real classical conservative argument, that the government is not a good solution for a lot of problems. Yeah. In fact, it creates more problems generally than it solves. Yeah. And so it's like the as again like the Goldilocks of like just enough government to get to help people be able to organize, yeah. but not enough to impede on freedom. Right. Yeah, enough to stop people from beating the shit out of each other, but it yeah. shouldn't be much more than that. Yeah. Is really the conservative argument. And I saw this in the military because you just see people that are given government power and they just abuse the fuck yeah. out of it. You wrote about it. <laughs> yeah, and how people do evil things. Yep. Which is available on our website, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so that's take that as an axiom. The government mm-hmm. is not a good solution. And then you witness the embodiment of the government in a police officer, yeah. a arbiter of government force. Yeah. They're imposing a that force on a unarmed uncharged in fact at that point i mean i mean arrested to some degree right but not brought into custody citizen as they are murdered yes and so this is the overstepping of bounds by government power right to subjugate its citizenry and if that isn't an argument that can be spoken to the right wing then i don't know what the fuck is right because that is like that is exactly what the right wing has been harping on about for yeah. the last God knows how many years. They don't want that this is abuse insane. of power. <laughs> and the government's the right wing solution to this is get rid of their power. Yeah. Just cut them off at the roots. Get rid of their ability to impose that power at all. Yeah. Okay. So that is the right wing argument. Right? And the left wing is to note that we have people, minorities, the mm-hmm. marginalized, those that are underprivileged, who could bring us new information mm. that we don't otherwise have, yeah. being destroyed. Loss of life. Right. Right. The, the biological substrate upon huh. which That's, the culture is provided to us. It's, it's is, interesting because I just made extinguished. I just made a connection because it's it's the. The left cares about the preservation of life, right? Keeping people from being harmed by external forces. Be that whatever you, right. you call that. Whereas the right is worried about the individual so that the system... It's trying to propel the individual so that it, they can act out what they want to do as long as it doesn't harm the government or other people. Right. So it's like these two systems are symbiotic. They believe in two, this, the same thing, but just see different scales of it or yeah, like yeah. like windows of it. I don't know. Like, right, we're looking at the same house. We just see different angles. Right, yeah. It's just different angles. And so like I'm seeing, I'm like, where's the disconnect? Because they fundamentally agree on the same thing, that the person... The moderates, this, yeah. Like we fundamentally agree on the same thing, that the person what, it, at... That was killed, George Floyd. Period. George Floyd should yeah. be alive. Well, George Floyd yeah. should still be alive. Yep, I yep, feel yep, like yep. both sides of this argument should be able to agree with that. But what I think gets convoluted in all of this is the reactions pri- post the inaction of what happened. You know, mm-hmm. not charging those officers right away. You know, and that incites... And it was the publicity. Yeah, it's all the publicity and everything else that convolutes this whole message. So anyway, so you <laughs> yeah, have go ahead. <laughs> right, absolutely. So you have this huge reasonable proportion. Now the question becomes: There's a huge reasonable part of left wing thinking on this issue, just as there's some huge reasonable part that exists on right wing issues. Right. But we know the line in some sense on the right. Yeah. Where we've seen it does the line? <laughs> oh yeah. Where does the line emerge on the left during this situation? Because there's got to be a line. Yeah. So, it's hard to think about where it's fuzzy in my right. head. Okay, so <laughs> we'll get there. That's that's the goal. We'll get, we'll get to where the line is, because I think I know where it is. So, this is a question that is emerging in the dialogue nationally now, right now, and you see a whole bunch of different things emerging. Mm-hmm. Now, 
one of the things that are emerging. There's a, there's an article in the Atlantic recently where the author I can't remember his name, but we'll post in the, the yeah. thing. But he noted that riots. So I don't think it's necessarily riots that are the issue, but that riots, well, generally, or the the language of the unheard, mm-hmm. are very quickly made a point at which or through nihilists and sadists can act with an unusual amount of freedom. In Otherwise, fact, I think the really important part here isn't just that they show up and then they start destroying things. It's that they have the language provided for them to justify their position. Right. So because, if I'm, let's say I'm a sadist. if they've been saying that the whole time, this is the exact thing they've been talking about since square one. Hypothetically. Right. <laughs> that they care about. Hypothetically. They so let's say I'm a nihilist and really what I want is the whole system to come tumbling down. And I'm sick and tired of this shit and everything is a joke and it's right. a mess. And, and your I'm, life is just pain and I'm and so much of a joker character that I'll wear a mask and then light a CPD <laughs> car on fire. I can't believe that photo set And roll a cigarette while they're taking photos of me and I dance. You're such a nihilist. You're so identified with the embodiment of nihilism in the form of the Joker that you will wear a mask and do it. Yeah. Right? So let's say I'm that character. What's going on there? So I think everything is a giant game and that the reason everything's funny isn't because I'm a jester. It's because there is no meaning. Nothing matters. And all these things that you're doing, all these things you care about are laughable in my perspective. They're laughable. Life the, is a joke. Right. It's right. all a joke. <laughs> it's not that it's not that I just have some great sense of humor. It's that what you're doing, given the absurdity of how it looks in proportion to reality itself, makes it a joke. It is a joke. Mm-hmm. And so I made a joker. I, it's not that I am the joker who makes jokes about these things. It is that I laugh because what you're doing is absurd. Right. The fact that anyone could have a sense of meaning or derive a purpose from life or feel fulfilled at anything is a joke. It's a joke. It's just, it's gross. It's ha, 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 ha. Laugh. So the whole would, thing is funny. Would your would the line then be just chaos? That's the far end. Right is order, left is chaos. Right? Right is just order, order, order. Right. Smash it Structure down everything. until everything is within our totalitarian frame yep. of mind. And left wing is everything's a joke. Everything's fair game. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters. The, Ivan Karamazov and the and the brothers Karamazov said that everything is permitted. Huh. Right? Everything. And he meant it. At least that character. Everything is permitted. That's everything a Everything is permitted. That's a hell of a Why sentence. not murder someone? Why not? If there's no morals, why not? We're just all animals yeah. in this world. And so what? So, be it. so do, how do we back off the end? Like, where, where are the... Where's the line? Yeah, where are the lines that we can operate right, so we, in we're some We're starting sort of... to see the extreme emerge out of the left, right? Those are Is, the opportunists. <laughs> right, these are the people that I think have injected themselves into the, the rioters. I think of these types. Yeah. The real rioters. Now, there's a certain amount of rioters that I imagine that are the protesters that are just particularly angry and they just get swept in the moment. Right, fine. which is totally fine. I think that's, we know, like... I mean, it's not totally not, well, fine. Not fine, but it's understandable given the context because right. of the heightened emotional stress of being in a crowd that, you know... Now, you're caught in the wave. Right, there, there's there's lots of studies on how crowds react Right, and you're all wearing masks right. and there's all things. Dude. But, uh, yeah, that's another... Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that in a like, different conversation for yeah, sure. Yeah. So... You have a certain amount of chaos that's spinning yeah. in the left-wing side. The question is, how do we differentiate the reasonable people from who are on our side? Like, right. Who are the people that we care about, who are reasonable, who are with us, who are amongst us? How do we differentiate from the bringers of pure chaos for its own sake? Yeah. The people who giggle at our higher 
aspirations or desire or desires for equality and justice or desires to even organize to any degree who right who would think that organization is a joke yeah. who would think that equality is laughable but they but that's the thing but th- th- they wow. would use your language of equality Against to convince you that their position is okay that what they're doing is okay they will say they these are the people it sounds who, like a sociopath it is but it's a <laughs> sociopathic ideology so you don't uh, that's the thing you can run software that runs so poorly that it destroys the hardware itself right so you don't just need bad hardware if you have enough if you have sufficiently <laughs> pathological software where's the line at how do we know the difference between the the, the real pathological nihilist who are chaotic and hellbent from the reasonable people reasonable people who are trying to fight oppression and police brutality yes. in their communities here's where i think it is so some of these nihilists emerged in a case at Evergreen State College, which was in Colorado, handfully twenty sixteen or something. Yeah, twenty sixteen. It's the most progressive of progressive colleges at very. the time. <laughs> but a very specific ideology got injected into, born from the milieu of that college. Yeah, and it's a very nihilistic one. I could get into the philosophy, but it would take us a jar. Very it'll, long conversation. It'll, it'll throw us off hard. So we'll put links for people who want to absorb it, for sure. And there was this crazy, bizarre, nihilistic, almost religious, quasi-religious, yeah, like way of thinking. The language they use is, is like you can just replace it with religious words, and it sounds religious. It's weird, <laughs> right? But okay, so the whole controversy emerged out of one point. And that point was that there was a professor named uh, Brett Weinstein, who was an incredibly intelligent person, and his brother Brett Weinstein is a Eric well respected Eric again. Weinstein, excuse me. Eric Weinstein was a very well respected, is a well respected uh, mathematician yep. who works for Peter Thiel. Yep. Uh, and is part of the sort of called intellectual dark web, Eric Weinstein's brother. Noted that there was there's a, traditionally a day of absence mm-hmm. where all the minorities at this university would not show up for a day. And that was a really poignant point because they were saying, okay, you can't operate without us and yet you as a society are treating us in a certain way. Yeah. So we're making – we are removing ourselves from this position to show you your reliance on us. Yeah. What you provide to this culture. Right. It's it's positive value elaboration. It's yeah. that I like from their perspective, I matter. And I'm elevating myself to the point of mattering. And I'm gonna show you that I matter. Here's how. I'm gonna leave. Now you're gonna see it. Yeah. Now it switched. So at a certain point at that school, th- they changed it from the minorities leaving to that the majority can't come. So it's no longer an issue of saying we're not going to show up. Now we're saying you can't. Interesting. And so what I think the line is, is right where you go from from an elevation of a group to the denigration of another group. It's weird because it sounds authoritarian to me. It is authoritarian. Which is weird because it's coming from... I'm like, how did we switch? Where did the tables get turned? (laughs) It's the horseshoe idea of politics is that the extremes touch. Ah. Is that you get to a point where so much chaos becomes so unbearable that something gets imposed. Yeah. And in this case, it's racial. Yeah. It's... This is where I think the line is. It's in-group, out-group. And then the in-group becomes the out-group. It's that, at the extreme. In, in the perceived in group, the in group becomes pure, and I think that what could is happening at this moment in culture is that the same type of ideologues that demanded that the out group be pushed out, be denigrated, are the same ideologues that are now 
calling for a certain way of thinking in the movement. And it's no coincidence that Robin D'Angelo's White Fragility is number one on Amazon's book list. And I read the original paper she wrote. It's a scary book. And she... It was unfalsifiable. <laughs> she, her logic is so bad. It's unbelievable. She literally said that here's proof of white fragility, which for the uninitiated, thankfully, <laughs> for the uninitiated, white fragility is this idea that uh, white people, so we're a race-based a race base group, so your skin color determines this, are reactionary to talks about race because – they don't want to talk about race. They don't want to talk about their position and whatever and their benefits and their privileges as a result. She said that one of the ways that you could tell that white privilege is being displayed is that the person that you're talking to leaves, is silent, or argues. So any option. Right. <laughs> the with, only thing you're without... with is agreement. Yeah. So if you do anything at all, not only are you incapable of reaching her, right? So if I want to argue with her about the merits of or her Or just ask idea, questions at all because she could view questions as an argument. Right. If I'm – yeah, right? Because like a question could be misconstrued as arguing. Right. If I was no matter arguing, how curious right. you are about In it. In fact, that's what a good argument is. Right. A good argument is that sort of – like working it You're out. just trying to figure out her framework. Yeah. So, okay. So that all that happens is if I even argue with her, tell her why she's wrong, maybe she's even obviously wrong about her conclusion. Mm-hmm. And I try to argue with her. She goes, ah, proof of white fragility. Right. Proof of my concept from the beginning. Which means your bias is showing, right? If you put in plain, in plain English. You can't falsify it. <laughs> you can't escape it. It's a closed loop. Yeah. She's right no matter what from her own mind. Yeah. That doesn't mean that's reality. Doesn't mean that she's actually right, but that's the case from her perspective. So I think that the line between those extremes mm-hmm. on the right, it's something like the moment that you on the right start talking about Instil- racial or, purity, yes, you're out. Yeah, you're fucking out. Yeah, or start using over excessive force on the civilian population as sanctioned mm-hmm. by the government. If you're willing to abandon the rights of individuals yes. for the sake of some mythical collective, yeah, get the fuck out of here. If you're on the left and you start saying not that we should empower those who are marginalized, yes. but instead say we should start denigrating those. Like handing over are, positions to other people who have been marginalized. Right, it's the tearing down of something instead of the building up of something else. Yes. Get the fuck out. Get out. So what? what is your, in your head, the next logical step forward? Like, what do we need to be doing right now as an educated population? Maybe the young people of this country, because we're, it feels like an untenable situation. Because the voices of the, of the moderate feel so unlistened to and unheard of right now because the media is perpetuating these extremist viewpoints or just cycling what is most inflammatory. So people are riled up into this viewpoint that things are worse than it may actually be. That's really hard. That's it's very – that's a super hard question. And the reason that it's so hard is because the time horizon here is so short. Yeah. It's, it's, it's – things are so chaotic mm-hmm. to predict in the long term becomes – Impossible. I can only give you a short-term answer. Yeah, I mean, it's like short-term, like for the next month or something. Like, what should people be doing? Like, just reading things on deeper ethical grounds? Or I don't... I'm at a loss. Besides, like, understanding ethics and human behavior at the extremes when put in impossible situations. Understanding, like, Philip Zimbardo's Mm -hmm. studies. Things like that. Like, understanding when pushed to extremes, people will do horrible things. Regardless of you don't your, even need to push into extremes, you just need to give them the space. Yeah, yeah, it's because we're running out of time here, and I just want to try yeah, and yeah, give yeah, some yeah. thoughts for people to kind of ponder because we're definitely going to be talking about this over the, probably the weekend for sure. We'll come back and and talk more in detail for sure. But God, that's such a hard question. I would say honestly, 
besides some of the resources we've already said to kind of just get acclimated to what these look like when played out. Look at people's solutions. So when you're when you're there's a whole bunch of people right now who are pretending like they know what to do. Mm-hmm. If the solutions that they offer really get to the heart of the issue, but there are going to be a bunch of people, there already are, who are pretending like their surface level changes are going to fix the issue. Yeah. For example, I think it was Minneapolis or maybe it was Atlanta. They moved a whole bunch of Confederate statues. Yeah. Cool. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's not. Yeah. Different, totally different debate. Will that fix a police brutality problem? No. No. It's a good show of like good faith, in my opinion. No. I don't even think it's necessarily that. It might be, depending on the person, if yeah. they're really trying to do something right. Yeah. But it could easily just be lip service. Right. Look at the people who are calling for certain solutions who aren't. Mm-hmm. If their solutions denigrate a different group instead of uplift their group don't fucking listen to them don't do it because they're trying to make it into the us versus them mentality and that is not going to be service as it gains more steam because just like that joker character in chicago they are using the movement as a battering ram for their own aims because they don't care about a real solution they care about the solution that for their goals, not your goals. Yeah. I'm going to use your language. I'm going to hijack your movement to get what I want. I'm going to say, you're, to fix your problems, I'm going to provide this solution. Yeah. And this solution has nothing to do with your problems. It has everything to do with the problems. It just for, it's a stepping stone in their aims. Yeah. Right. Because it looks good on the surface, but then it can be easily Right. They're going twisted. to just take your fucking nose and point you in their direction. Like, look at That sounds great. <laughs> Look over here. It's like grabbing the snout of a dog and just going, you over here. Yeah. This is so, we're at such a strange moment in history. I mean, if we, even if we just had COVID right now, we're talking about the impacts of COVID. It would have been a deep conversation. All all the (laughs) the strings that emerge out of this are so, they go on for so long. Right. There's a lot of roots here that, I mean, it would be a thesis uh, order of magnitude to just unpack this thing because Novels. it goes back. Yeah. Multi-value <laughs> in this entire situation. And as an engineer, broadly scientist, whenever I look at these problems at like society level things, I go back to this idea that this is just a multivariate problem. When you move one variable, the other variable goes up or down or sideways or it doesn't even move or it looks like it moves because it moved, yeah. like it affected another thing over here and then you just get all fucked up. Right, you move one thing and everything else changes with it. Yeah. Right, and so you, it's so hard about all of this because it's just the simplest solutions sound great, but they have farther reaching impacts than we can even begin to comprehend. And so we have to be and if a, deliberate and, about what we do. And if a simple solution isn't aimed at the proper problem, it will cause more problems than it will solve. Like dominoes just... It's like, (laughs) let me give you this medicine with all these side effects to treat a disease that you don't have. And all you're left with is not the solution, is not the curing of the disease, but the side effects. So we'd be real careful with what medicines we're employing. I think that's the probably the most apt note we can leave it on to leave weight behind this conversation, which was, granted, more serious than I was expecting it to turn. But I think these thoughts are worth getting out in the world right now after we've given the world some time to see what has happened. And I think it's in no short order because of COVID. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if we would have had this somewhat incendiary moment if COVID hadn't been an instigator in all of this. Yeah, I'm not so sure either. So, with that, everyone, I hope you are all doing wonderful in your homes and uh, take this to heart. And I, I truly say this as someone who cares about this country, that I want it to be in a better place than it is now or was in the last weeks. And that's where this all comes from. It's loving criticism of a country that if 
for not being born here, we wouldn't be doing this <laughs> for, for lack of a better term. And, and, you know, the part of the reason we can do this is because we have a country like this. So, yeah, well said with that. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Feeding Curiosity. I hope you all learned something or at least got you thinking. If you want to dive in deeper, please head over to feedingcuriosity.net to find related links or just more podcasts and blogs that we posted there. On top of this, please consider subscribing to our newsletter to stay up to date on the latest happenings on the website. Thank you all for joining me one more time and we'll catch you all in the next episode.